So you know the feeling when you are completely lost in a tune, whether it's in your headphones, walking down the street, on your commute, in the club, at the latest family function. We've all been there. And this guest has been responsible for literally some of the biggest tunes of our time. Now, look, we're not going to go through every single one of his production credits. We may touch on a few, but mostly I just want to know what he loves about this place. Welcome to This City, the podcast that reveals the stories, hidden gems and certified spots tried and tested by some of London's most recognisable names. Whether born and bred in the capital or have made it their second home, London holds a key piece to their heart. And this week I am joined by producer and artist Mark Ronson. Mark Ronson. Hey. Talk to me about where we are. Okay, we're actually, we're in the Chilton Firehouse which is in an old firehouse in Maryland. It's a hotel. I guess it's pretty trendy. (laughs) So I feel slightly guilty saying that that's where we are, but it's the truth. You know, I lived in London for 10 years, so it's odd to be staying in a hotel in London. But if you're going to stay anywhere, this is a very lovely place to stay. It is very lovely. I'm feeling plush. Yeah. I'm feeling relaxed. Now, you mentioned that you lived in London for 10 years, but I know you were born in London. Yes. Talk to me about where exactly you grew up. Okay, so I was born in the Wellington Hospital in St. John's Wood, and that's where I grew up between there and actually pretty close to here in Maryland. I think the first place I lived in when I came home from the hospital was on George Street, which is really close. It's actually two blocks away. And so I lived there for about three or four years and then uh, moved to a house near St. John's Wood and then my family separated. And then my mom actually moved us to New York. Now, you mentioned that um, those spots were like a couple of blocks. Well, the first spot was a couple of blocks away from here. Do you think that subconsciously is what drew you to maybe staying at this hotel? No, I think the minibar drew me to this hotel. (laughs) But the places that I walk around that are really familiar to me are more like Notting Hill, Labyrinth Grove, Shepherd's Bush. That's the places where I feel like, oh, I remember and I get feelings of my youth, the warm and fuzzy ones. And then coming back in my mid to late 20s as a DJ and coming back with Uwe out and DJing Yo-Yo and learning that part of West London, these clubs like Subterranean and Cherry Jam, which were also in those same parts of London. So by both accounts, if I had anything in London that resembled a stomping ground, it would feel like that. Yeah. I want to get to that in a second, but getting back to the warm and fuzzy parts. Yes. As a kid in this city, like what are your sort of standout memories. Do you remember that first big trip to like, I don't know, Trafalgar Square that your parents may have taken you on or like, you know, those rites of passage moments that like little kids have in the city? Yeah. I, you know what? I don't really remember a lot. I remember going to, you know, like Holland Park. You know, it's weird because I did leave here kind of young. I just, I my most of my memories from London early on were like when we moved to the States, moved to New York and then coming back to visit mm-hmm. my dad. So those would be like being 12 or 13 years old and discovering all these bands and these things that I like. Like at the time it was probably things like EMF and like the wonder stuff and going to Kensington Market, which was this old market that was on Kensington High Street. It's not there anymore. I think it's a nightclub. Yeah. And you could like buy bootleg t-shirts of your favorite bands. And I would take back these t-shirts of like Happy Mondays and stuff. And the older kids in my school in New York would be like, hey, like kid, how do you know about that stuff? Like, you know, I'd be like wearing it, like praying someone would ask me where I got it. Like trying to just like desperately be like, notice me, older cool kids in Doc Martens. And uh, those were my things. And then going to 
Berwick Street for like the record shops, like when I was 15, 16. All these things were so exotic to me coming back to London because even though I have family and roots here, it was like there were all these scenes that were like coming out of England that were becoming big in the States, like acid jazz, like with the brand new heavies and Jamiroquai and then like the indie stuff, like I mentioned. So coming back and having these very like as a wide-eyed teenager, like, whoa, that's where these scenes are from here and being able to like take back those records with me. This is before the internet, you know? So like if you could go into like record shop and bring back some white label and play it for your friends. It's funny that you mentioned comes to market. Actually, I just remembered a really embarrassing t-shirt that I bought from there. Yeah. You know, the sweet small teasers. Yeah, of course. I bought a t-shirt saying man teaser. And I thought I was really cool, which was really appropriate actually, because I must've been about 15 at the time, but yeah. that wasn't cute. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's cute that those t-shirts I, yeah, that doesn't fly today. That oh no, oh no, no. In this uh, era. No, no, no. Um, Yes, I love that reminds me that I definitely was really English chocolate sweets was like another big thing of coming back and like just buying like six bags of Maltesers, four crunchies, three curly whirlies, <laughs> like all of it flakes and taking it all back to my family that lives in New York, you know. How did you take care of them teeth? I know Americans like to sneer at the, at the British dental situation. It's, it's so, it doesn't make any sense because the amount of sugar and stuff, and I have no fillings. And I remember going to. Uh, it would be in touch to everybody. Yeah. I remember the last time I went to the dentist, and it was like it was probably a couple of years ago, and I hadn't been in five or six years. And he was like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. You don't have any fillings or anything. I was like, well, you think it's like because I'm really good at brushing or something? He was like, just. <laughs> thank your parents for good genetics like basically it's just such a luck of the draw thing i think because my dad they, i mean they all eat so much sugar it's crazy you go over to the house now my dad who lives in london it's just like like a kid who was like eight who was like you know told like when you're grown up you can have any kitchen you want and it's just like every kind of biscuit chocolate sounds like your dad's house is the place to be i mean it's it's definitely good if you got good teeth that's just my my sly hint for an invite yeah i love a free biscuit me now you mentioned obviously coming over here in the in your early 20s like when uh here comes the fuzz came out now you've been quite open about saying that the record didn't really do the bits in the states but for some reason europe like yeah. just really embraced it like how did that kind of give you a key to the city it was such a great thing because i remember you know i was djing in america so even though i had roots to england i wasn't thinking like okay well if i'm making this record i was just thinking like i'm making this record for america like it just i wasn't like the when i was in the studio i was never picturing like other djs or people around the rest of the world playing it and then we came out and I remember like at all the record companies, there's always like an international person who's in charge of like making sure you do interviews with the rest of the world, you know? So you come in and he's like, okay, so you got these phoners. There's a guy I'm going to put you on with right now. His name is Zane Lowe. He talks really fast and he'll be like really enthusiastic, but like, don't let it bother you or something. He's like, don't worry. He's like that all the time. I was like, okay. And I remember just talking to him. And it was like instant, you know, Zane Lowe, whirlwind energy. energy. I was like, oh yeah. And I could just tell from his excitement over Uwe and like the way he was talking. I was like, oh, these people are really like, messing with my shit over here or whatever it was exciting so i came to london one of those first promo trips and i think i was on the same label or just like had the same person as fat man scoop we were going around together because his song came out the same week as mine too his was like giant number one mine was number 13 but it was still like a really fun fun memories a carnival 
Yasin Bay, then most Def was here as well. And we went and we were up to the Rampage Carnival and it had these two scaffolding towers. And uh, he was on one with like the mic. He was just supposed to be there hanging out and I was just supposed to be DJing. And he like, and I had most as my hype man. Like it was the most amazing like thing. And I remember I was climbing up the scaffolding. It's kind of rickety, like uh, with my record bag over my back and like, I remember just the guy like from Rampage is like, hey, kid, and you know, but like in a heavy Jamaican accent. I was like, what? He's like, if you hear someone let off a gunshot, just play something mellow. And I was like, oh, okay, like noted, like climbing up the top. And so I think I had like Marvin Gaye, let's get it on, like on standby. I can't remember if I had to play it or not. That was like a really special like thing. And then opening for dizzy rascal and justin timberlake on this arena tour and playing carnival playing yo-yo doing you know radio one kiss capital all these like things djing live it was like oh shit it makes sense that this place has embraced me because i've completely like somehow forgotten that i was raised here and i am english so like i understand why now coming back it makes sense that my sensibility and aesthetic is kind of made for here and it's still the same way. Like, you know, obviously there's been Uptown Funk and Shallow and other records, but it's always been England that's really like got the music the most. Oh yeah. If you walk along the South Bank and Waterloo, there is always somebody singing Shallow now. There is always a busker. Yeah. Singing that Redemption Song by Bob Marley or something by Oasis. It seems yeah. to be the current fave. Yeah. Whenever I hear them doing Shallow, I walk by and just like empty their hat out into my... No, I'm just kidding. Give it. Like Scrooge. Was, was Carnival the very first time you played, uh, that you DJed in London? Do you remember your first gig? I think my very first gig was a couple years back because I was DJing a lot in New York and playing a lot for like... Puffy really liked the way I DJ, so he would hire me and he hired me. He threw a thing at... Cafe de Paris in like maybe 2000. Okay, and so that's peak Cafe de Paris days. Yeah, and I remember coming over and no one had heard me DJ before and no one had heard the kind of set, I guess that New York style of set, like quick mix, his soul funk, R&B, a lot of hip hop. And I remember people were kind of just like, kind of blown away. I don't mean to, there's no like need to be self-deprecating. It's just what happened. So that was really great. And then I came back to play a guest set at Subterranean one time. And then 2003, I came back and I played Yo-Yo, which was at Cherry Jam at the time before it moved to uh, Notting Hill Arts Club. And I remember there was this, uh, my friend Jade Richardson. Do you know Jade? Mm. Oh, yes, Jade I Simon, do. Yes. Dynamite. Yes, 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 like, yes, 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 yes. So she was friends with my manager. And she was like, you should come down to this place to DJ tonight. There's this guy, Seb Chu. He's like the London Mark Ronson. And I was like, nobody's the London I'll go they think that was like oh, I'll go show him and then I went and he was smashing it and it was amazing and I met him and Leo that night and then we just became instant friends the best friends right away so like I suddenly was like developing these friendships and realizing like what a big whole like not having London or like those kind of people in my life I was like oh shit okay I'm glad I found this again so yeah, dear listener, people that don't know, Yo-Yo was, well, I should tell you what, you you explain, like, what would you describe Yo-Yo as, as a sort of sign of that time? I think it was just like a little bit of a unicorn because it was like this amazing club night that was like, had incredible DJs, Seb and Leo being the residents, but then, you know, everybody that came and played there at some point. And it was anything that fell under the guise of like, black music or just like club music so it was like mainly hip-hop r&b but basher and drum and bass garage 
anything dope and 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 it felt very english which was cool like a lot of um uk stuff and then and then it would be the premiere venue it was this tiny venue 300 people but yet like kanye lupe larue lily bruno like uh, like nearly everybody's like first london show was in this thing you know and it just had this vibe and i remember even on the 10th anniversary as a present to like pay them back because they were so playing yo-yo like really like reinvigorated my whole love for DJing even like when I that came along and then I tried to take that energy and me and Q-Tip started a party back in New York called Authentic Shit so I'm not only do I love the guys that throw it but I'm just grateful for that night in my career so I went to um I got Nas to come play for the 10th anniversary and there's like footage of there of like when he goes in to start playing made you look and it's like if there ever 300 people could feel like 3,000 people and like you could see the sweat, like the walls were sweating in that club all the time. It was great. And it'd be like gigs and Adele, like in a corner and whoever else, just regular people. And like, it was just a great, great night. All born in the Notting Hill Arts Club. Mm-hmm. Teeny tiny venue. When it comes to like DJing in the States, did you find that you would, I don't know, fearlessly like play stuff from the UK, specifically London to New Yorkers? And how would they take it? Yeah. Well, it's funny, like, you know, up until three or four years ago when Skepta and Giggs and Havels become like, you know, pretty big names in in the states as well i would love going and playing that stuff because i'd be like oh man you guys check this out and you know obviously there's different tempos and different styles and it doesn't all work but i did like the idea of like that was the nice thing about being from here but then growing up in new york but then finding my thing like musically and professionally over here because i always felt like i was flying the flag for both places a little bit like Mm -hmm. i was very proud of being a New Yorker, not an American, but like a New Yorker. I had a feeling so that, you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah. So like, I felt like an English New Yorker. Like I had this thing of like this very much feeling like I liked being able to like straddle these two things. It was, and it really reinvigorated me. Like coming back here to London and seeing the scene here and playing was like, I was really burnt on DJing in New York at that point because like, 50 Cent, that stuff was cool, but it, but the commercial hip hop had really reached like a critical mass the clubs were becoming super like bougie and banquette tables and like just really just like the music was just too plastic and then coming back here and like getting this shot of like life was just great and we took that back and that party we started doing in new york me and q-tip was like great and kind of like got me back into doing that i know you work with gigs on is a gangster like how did you approach like working with him like did you feel you had to sort of i don't know like not prize london outfit because i mean gigs is london but how did you approach working with somebody like that when you were so used to sort of working with american artists at that point um well i mean i guess that all the rappers i worked with were predominantly american but Mm. the singers and the artists i worked with were a good balance like of you know obviously my first success really was with Amy Winehouse and Lily, and then I worked with Wiley, and I guess it was just always a mix. I always think that like music is the best leveling of any playing field, of any kind of like socio geographical, economic backgrounds, whatever it is. Like just when you're working on music, it's just like, what's the truest idea for this thing? So I'm just gonna play him a beat, and whatever he comes up with is like, 
And Giggs is like, like you said, he's just such an amazing lyricist and rapper and such good, strong ideas of like what he wants his career to be. I mean, his career has basically been just a continual upward trajectory. And so it's because he's only done things for the right reason mm. anyway. So yeah, so he just, he just came up with his rhymes. I didn't have to say much else. I hear you. Are you, um, are you tempted to move back permanently? Cause I know obviously New York is your home. Yeah. But now you're based in LA right now. Is there anything that makes you think, you know what, it could be, uh, could be time to walk the cobbles again. What is, is, that's the most English expression I've ever heard. Walk the cobbles. But yeah, but is is there a temptation to... to, Somebody said something to me. I had lunch with someone today. We were walking down Portobello Road and they said like one of the most English things there was just, because you know, English people can't help just if there's like a slight pause in the conversation, it goes dead, then instantly talk about the weather to fill the awkward space. And she said something like, that's really rubbish weather, something like that. And it was, was, oh, there's a sun coming out like a, bolt of out of the blue i was like i don't think anyone said like anything more english on the street and they literally filmed like five richard curtis movies here oh yeah so that was good that was enjoyable but i think you might have just won it with uh walk the cobbles i mean yeah tempted to come back and walk the cobbles i love being here and i i was here for 10 years like i came back in like probably 2007 for about 10 years Mm. and i love it i'm just kind of rediscovering my love affair with new york as well so i'm kind of like both i could easily live here at any time and obviously my dad's here i got brothers and sisters here it's it's great dare i ask do you ever get the tube i do all the time and how how is that because can you still be quite low key here or not really i can you know this is like just if i'm just gonna be real this is the only country where i'm sort of famous so it's not like it always is a readjustment like when i'm here because i'm like walking down the street and i'm like is there something that's like food on my face? Like, why do people kind of look at me? And I'm like, oh, that's right. It's this weird parallel universe where where I'm like face recognizable, which is not what happens necessarily in New York and stuff. But the tube is fine. And I'm not, it's not like I'm Harry Styles where people are like chasing you down the street. Like if anything happens, someone is just like, hey man, I love the tunes. It's like such a respectful, normal level of thing. It's totally chill. Well, that's quite a funny thing, isn't it? Because in comparison to New York, I think people do recognize people there, but just everyone's too cool to give a shit. Maybe. but that, people, That's the energy that I've always There might be, but people, I'm telling you, also do not recognize in New York. I think also here... Maybe like 2007, 2008, when I was like going out and Lily and Amy were in the tabloids a lot. So I was an extension of something that people wanted to write about because it was like clickbait. That was like the only time that if I'd see somebody, I'd be like drunk at the bus stop or something, going to a friend's house. They'd be like, you, that guy from the Metro paper. You know what I mean? Like when I was like a bit more like living my life like a little bit stupid but now it's just like hey man dig the tunes he's grown he's responsible ish yeah but looking back on that time i mean was it um i don't know was that quite weird sort of acclimatizing to that level of attention like you know because obviously the people like lee and people like amy they're they're just your friends but uh, you know to the outside observer it's like oh look at my ronson and it's and it's clearly good famous people like i don't know i was drunk a lot of the time i don't know if i was really i just think i was like oh this is cool is this my life now and then i started to realize like oh but if you do that all the time then people don't take your music as seriously so i just realized i needed to like focus a bit more fix up 
Yeah. I mean, did you find that you wasted like a lot of time in in town, just essentially like being 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 wasted? Is well, it? Is I, I worked really hard, so I mean, I never. I would like. I was such a workaholic, spending crazy hours in the studio, so it never felt like I was like blowing off work or doing that to be like out in the pubs and like kind of East London and the places like the Griffith, I guess that were like back then were like the places everyone would go to in the old blue last. But it was only two years of my life and I guess I never really hurt anyone or really bottomed out. So it was, I mean, there were some fun memories of that time. And I think it was just having the success at this time and meeting all these like guys like, James and Jamie and Simon from Claxons and people were just like, yeah, fuck, let's go. Um, so there you go. Um, what do you remember recording here from that time? Like, what would you say has been like well, I know, I recorded, your best experience? I recorded a lot here. Well, what what we definitely, we came here to mix all the records. So even though we recorded a lot of Back to Black in New York, we mixed it all at Metropolis on Chiswick High Road. And then, recorded he can only hold her from back to black and all the strings and valerie and you know all, all the stuff of version and all those things here and then they're doing an album with the kaiser chiefs at rack and then i had my studio in king's cross when i lived back here in like 2013-14 where we did uptown funk and baby blue with action bronson and chance and it was yeah that i loved like you know this was really my home i built my studio here for a good good amount of time I wanted to ask is there a certain comfort about finishing off the records like in the other half of I guess your identity is a yeah it's pretty great now that I think about it yeah getting to have that duality or whatever just a few quick fires yes if somebody was coming here for the first time they were just like I need something quick I need to stuff my face but I need to, to go serious. eat yeah man stuff my face Jeez, I'm so bad with like quick fire questions because my brain doesn't quick fire. My brain slow fires. It's like a pizza wood oven. I went to lunch at this Italian restaurant that I really love here called Essenza. It's on Kensington Park Road, E-S-S-E-N-Z-A. That's really good. Where are you going to Crate Dig if you still do? Rough Trade is always great. East and West. I guess I haven't been around in a while, but like, I don't know, those places on Barrack Street, they're still around? Just just generally in Soho. What, yeah. the Sounds of the Universe? Yeah, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Sounds of the Universe yeah, and, so. yeah, those are all really good. Where are you going to escape in the city? Can you escape in the city? Where I do you go? Oh, the park. You know yeah, the park man. and stuff. Yeah, I used to go all the time, especially when I had my dog here. And I would actually, fuck, I really forgot about all that. My dog, Maud, I would take her out to either, like, Richmond Park or like any of those parks where you could, I just like let her off the leash and she'd just like go bounding about running in the lake and the river. And that was a nice thing about having a dog. You kind of like, I guess until you have kids, you like want that dog to like have a great, a wonderful outdoors experience. I mean, it's so corny, but I just like walking around the city. I mean, that's anything like walking along. Actually, last time, last time I was here, I walked through like Guildhall and South Bank and that whole area. And it's like, even now still finding like little pockets that you've never been before. I mean, I literally got stuck in Guildhall. Um, I couldn't figure out how to get out. So so hang on. So somebody probably would have been like tweeting, like, I can see Mark Ronson. He looks really uh, nervous. And Yeah. He loves Guildhall. <laughs> he doesn't want to leave. <laughs> Standard question. Sadiq Khan. I mean, he, he can only be mayor for so long. If you were mayor for the day, what are you doing to this glorious city? 
citywide carnival. So. Okay, what would I really do? I haven't been there in a while, so I don't want to think, say anything stupid. And I'm, I don't really know if I know what the city really needs. I would just take a quick Twitter poll the night before and then just enact whatever that was. Uh, Mark Ronson. Hey. Thank you very much. Of course. Thanks very much for listening to this city. Now, do take the recommendations seriously. And if you happen to go to any of the places mentioned, do let me know by posting a picture using the hashtag ThisCityPod and make sure you tell them who sent you. I mean, try and get a discount or something. Um, I'm your host, Clara Anfo. And if you are curious as to where else you can hear this podcast, you can get it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and CastBox. And if you like what you heard, which I hope you did. Please rate, review and tell your friends. I mean, we do like five stars. We'll accept four, but five is the sweet spot. Um, Thank you again. And this has been a Sony Music fourth floor creative production.